Hello, it's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. I continue to support the creative community through this crisis with all sessions now on video and phone calls. For details, please check threadup.co.uk. You can also find details of free check-ins I offer on my Twitter at threadup underscore and on Instagram and Facebook at threadup. Please share this. Somebody out there might need it. Stay safe and let's get through it together. Welcome to Psychomedy Daily Dose, the spin-off series of short episodes of Psychomedy. Before we go back to the normal weekly episodes in August, I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And three times a week, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, I'm going to be speaking with a different comedian. You can go to threadup.co.uk for our counselling professional partners. They're there to support you. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. For as little as £5 a month, you get access to loads of bonus content, including the full uncut video of this very episode, exclusive video and audio, plus free tickets to future live shows, psychomedy.co.uk for all the links. Your donations really help us out to keep this podcast going. Enjoy the show. Joining me today on Psychomedy, it's Erica Rhodes. Erica, hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. You're, you're living out in beautiful LA. How's LA been during lockdown? It's, uh, is everyone now on the beach? Ah, oh, you'd think, but no, no, people no. are out and about, but it's, uh, it's still a bit of a weird vibe. You know, everybody's in masks and people are a little bit tentative about mingling still. Yeah. And uh, there are lots of helicopters from the protests. We just still have a presence of helicopters in the air. Yeah. Yeah. And have you spent lockdown with friends or family or on your own or? I actually fled to Florida when this first happened because I didn't want to get trapped in my apartment for months on end. Mm. And so I went to be closer to my family. So I went and uh, stayed in an Airbnb because my sister wanted me to quarantine before seeing the family. So, because she has kids. So yeah, I was quarantined for about a month before I saw them. Then I was with them for about a month. So two months in Florida then I came back to LA and moved apartments in the middle of a pandemic and uh, the protests. Wow. Wow. That was kind of crazy. But now I'm here. I'm in my new place. It's much better, no. calmer, better. Yeah. So I'm glad I moved. And how was that month in quarantine on your own? Was that, was that hard? No, you know, at first it was, but then I realized I'm actually pretty productive alone. Like I started doing a lot of I started writing a lot. Like I started writing a blog and I started Yeah, I've seen some of that. It's great, yeah. Oh, thanks. I started doing coaching. I was like, as a joke, I wrote out that I would would do like one-on-one Zoom coaching sessions. And it was sort of a joke, but then I had three people write to me and they were like, I'm interested. And so far I've coached 12 people. Oh, amazing. Writing coaching sessions. So, and then I did Zoom shows. So, I ended up being really productive alone, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen a lot of your stuff, and it's nice. Yeah. And you're and you're back on stage next week. Am I right? In um, yes, in I'm Minneapolis. Yeah. Amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah. So these are your first gigs back after after the months away. Yep, three months not on stage. I don't know. I don't know if I'll remember how to do it. <laughs> How do I hold the mic? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
you can do courses on that how to hold a mic you know i don't know whether you've ever seen those courses but you know beginner stand-up courses they tell you how to... yeah 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 just a, just a refresh how to um to put the put the wire around you know and is that like a socially distanced audience I, I hate that phrase i don't know why i've just used it socially distanced too i'm like <laughs> people to me it's always like a don't worry we're being good yeah totally don't yeah worry, we're yeah. behaving yeah, you know, it's yeah. like such a virtue signal to be like, we went on a social <laughs> distance lunch. Like you had, <laughs> yeah. lunch. you had lunch, just say you had lunch. Like oh we're God, all yeah. social distancing. Quote, unquote, <laughs> you know? I need to find another phrase for audiences far apart. Why, yeah. Why don't you just say, is it a Are the seat's going to be far apart? Yeah, yeah. They'll be scattered, I think, and, and uh, limited capacity. So 75 yeah. people. And yeah, then nice. we're going to, Zoom the show so you can watch from home if you want to. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. You're right, though. Virtually so many people put out on uh, Facebook or whatever, went for a socially distanced picnic. I'm like, oh, F. You get it. You're a good person. Fuck You're off. not a murderer. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> it's like, what are you don't hiding? What are you hiding? That's what I find with a lot of, of, a lot of posts where if people seem too good, you're like, what is yeah. wrong with you? What are you... Yeah. Who have you what killed? What are you really up to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you must be excited about this gig anyway. Are you coming back with anything like brand new, anything you've been writing during lockdown? Or is that a bit risky? Yeah, I mean, I am definitely trying to come up with new stuff. Um, but it's hard because most of it I've tried on Zoom and I don't know if it will translate to the stage yet. Yeah. And I also don't want to, I don't want to be hacky where I just do, you know, it's like I've heard 5 million comics do mask jokes now. So I think <laughs> I'll avoid the mask jokes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, I, but I, I think I have it. some personal, I have some personal stuff I think I, I can talk about with the experience. So what kind yeah. of stuff? Can you give us any tidbits? Well, this is something I'm trying to work out, but I don't, I don't have a joke for it yet. It's more mm. of just thought about how nobody knows anything you know like i don't think anybody really knows anything like when people are like oh well the scientists say i'm like the scientists fail for a living that's their job to fail right yeah. and same with doctors like doctors don't know anything like just because someone has a phd doesn't mean they know <laughs> that much right so it's like i've gone to my doctor with symptoms of things and we were both Googling our symptoms at the same time. Oh, yeah, I was like, absolutely. That's what they do now. My symptoms with me. Yeah. Like, so it's like there's, there's, there's some weird thing where you think because somebody's called a doctor or called a scientist that they necessarily know what the hell they're talking about. But nobody knows anything. They don't. And yeah, I went to the, yeah. I went to the doctor with my son. Well, I think I mentioned this the other day. And um, yeah, with a rat, he had a rash. He's like 11 years old. He had a rash. And the, it, the the doctor just brought up pictures of rashes on Google and went was yes. like comparing them. It was like I think it's that one. I'm like, well, I could do that. Yes, yeah, that's the whole thing. Where it's like, I mean, if you ever gotten a massage where you're like, they really know what they're doing. <laughs> like any any time totally, get a yeah. massage, I'm like, maybe ten minutes out of the whole massage, they'll get the right spot. <laughs> the rest of the time, you're like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you touching my thigh like that? Like, you don't understand. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm trying to come up with a bit about how nobody really knows anything. And yeah. so once you accept that, yeah. then you can just live your life. Hello. 
Hi, is, is that better? <laughs> it is, yeah. Nobody knows anything. Nobody knows how these Zoom calls work. Nobody knows no, anything. Nobody knows anything. <laughs> Am I recording? I don't know. It's that was the perfect time for that, for us to lose <laughs> connection. Nobody knows anything. I can't hear you. What? <laughs> Anyway, yes, um, yeah. So I'm sure you've I'm sure you've missed comedy, like like I am a lot. You know, I've heard you say elsewhere that comedy is good for your psychology if you're down or anything happens to you that's um, that's awful. You know, maybe not in that yeah. moment you try and find comedy, but maybe the next day or maybe ten minutes later you're trying to find comedy in that situation that makes you feel better. Is that is that right? For, for anyone who doesn't think that comedy is essential. Try not laughing for an entire day. Just try it. <laughs> try going an entire day without laughing at all. And then tell me it's not essential. Yeah, those people who say they've been socially distancing on picnics don't laugh during a day. There's no, hu there's no humor in their lives. There's no humor, no. <laughs> and if they do laugh, you can't hear them because they're socially distanced. They're so far away. <laughs> yeah. Is there any sense in you that... Um... Yeah, I've talked to other comedians like, uh, I don't know if you know Kate Barron, she's a brilliant Canadian uh, comedian. I had her on this. She was talking about pain as a comedian. Is there any sense that you need some pain, do you think, to be a comedian? I was talking with Kate and she was saying that um, she would, if anything really good happens, like love, falling in love, for example, she would tend to actively avoid that for the sake of her, <laughs> for the sake of her comedy career because she thought that that might stand in the way. You know, anything too good happening, would stand in the way of being a really good comedian. Is there any sense with you in terms of when you feel pain or when you experience something that's bad, you think, well, ah, this is actually a good thing for my comedy career? I think I sometimes, it's interesting because I don't think I consciously like go towards pain, mm. but I think I do sort of play with go, pushing myself to discomfort in my life. You know, like never being quite comfortable. Like I al I'm always moving. I just, <laughs> I tell you. During lockdown, who does that? Yeah, I'm basically on the move all the time. But like the way I lead my life is I look for things to challenge me or I look for things to put me in a different place because mm. I think comedy, if it doesn't come from pain, it comes from discomfort, you know, which is why I think a lot of very successful comics lose that edge like they lose mm. they lose that thing when they get successful because they're too comfortable in their life now you know yeah. they don't have that i don't know about pain but i think struggle i think comedy comes from struggle and discomfort yeah yeah and challenges you know life challenges yeah 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 it's, it's often said that if somebody falls in love or whatever it's like oh that their career's over then they won't do it <laughs> They won't do any good comedy. They're too, they're too busy being happy. That's the last thing we want as a comedian, isn't it? Someone that's happy. Yeah, there have been moments where I've felt kind of happy and, and, and been a little scared. Been like, you know, yeah. where I've opened my set with, I, I had a great day, which is terrible <laughs> for my comedy. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was reading some of your writing about, um, I guess an old place that you lived in about your neighbors, the LA ghost story one, which was amazing, lovely piece oh, of writing. Thanks for, and um, thanks for reading it. It's oh no, it was great. It was great. And um, yeah, so it was about your, your neighbors that, um, that, that uh, committed suicide. And uh, you, yeah. you, you thought you saw one of them as a, well, it starts with you thinking you, you saw one of them as a ghost maybe. Is that right? 
Yeah, I thought I saw one of them. I had borrowed their vacuum cleaner. Mm. And then a couple of days later, they had committed suicide. And then I was standing out, I opened my door and their door was right next to my door. And I opened my door and he was just standing there in front of his door, which was kind of odd. It's not like it was a front porch or anything. You know, mm. he was just standing there. And I went, oh, whoa, like I kind of screamed a little. And mm. he didn't make any, there was no emotional you know, like if I did that to you, I feel like you'd be like, oh, sorry, or you would <laughs> do something, right? Yeah. But he, didn't, he didn't even respond. And I yeah. remember thinking that was very odd. And then somebody told me that ghosts sort of stick around after, if they like kill themselves, they'll stick around if nobody found them to like let people know about the dead bodies. And I don't know if yeah. you believe in ghosts, but it sort of made me believe in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to believe in ghosts and I want to talk to more people that think they've seen ghosts and more people that I think are, you know, not doing it for any other reason. Just to... Well, you know what the other weird thing is? So this has happened to me twice now, which is really disturbing. But twice I've lived in apartments where someone committed suicide in the apartment. And okay. both times that happened, I felt ghosts before it happened. Like I felt that the places were haunted already and that they had a presence of ghosts and then there were suicides. Oh God. Isn't that really weird? That's like the plot of a, that's the plot of like a horror film, isn't it? That is yeah. the plot of a, of a film that I think I've seen. Isn't that yeah. the plot of like yeah. Insidious or something? I think there's a reason it's the plot because I think <laughs> it, might, it might be true. Are you in somewhere now that someone's committed suicide in before? No, I'm thankfully in a much, I'm in a little back house. I love I it. It's, it's very small, but very comfortable and, uh, and no ghost presence at all. Very oh, like light, a very light presence. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. What's that behind you? I oh, know it's a cello. It's fine. I thought that was a ghost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the shadow of a cello. There's not even a cello there. Um, yeah, there is a shadow. <laughs> It's a shadow. Hello. Um, <laughs> was there a musician that lived there before you? Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. That writing was beautiful. So it, so it was about kind of, well, it was about in parts, not, not saying hello to your neighbors and kind of the regret of not no, saying, well, it was, not saying you know, hello it was to your neighbors, which way, I thought was lovely. It was my way of saying, you know, like, I think we all have different ways of, of sort of understanding what's happening in the world right now, you know? And for me, it's always been a humanist approach. And so I was trying to express myself in that, in that realm of being like, what, what is my, what is my human experience of, you know, because they were a, they, um, mixed race couple, right? So it was a, the guy was black and the girl was white. And, um, I don't remember where I heard this, but somebody had told me, that the mother was not, um, was not okay with that. And I remember that that sort of hit me when, when I met the mother after and, and saw this woman and thought, man, what, what is she going through in her mind to feel yeah. she didn't support her daughter dating a black man and also just their struggle. And also, also the idea was about hope, which was like, you know, they probably would have loved to see the movement happening now, right? They would have, mm. and what a shame that they took their lives because they couldn't deal with the conflict at hand. Yeah. So I, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to, it was sort of trying to be a message of hope, even though it was a very dark story. Mm. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was dark and heartbreaking, particularly your regret about not 
maybe not saying hello to them and maybe yeah, how that would how that would change how that might change the you know are you are you kind of optimistic for the future that out of this terrible time you know you were talking about you know being radical now can be getting to know your neighbors could be as simple as getting to know your neighbors are you optimistic that out of this we've learned lessons like the importance of saying hello to people and the importance of the little things or um, I would hope, I would hope so, but I also, I'm also concerned at the disconnect um, in communicating. I'm, I'm concerned at how alienated we're going to become because I was already concerned with how much phones and things were taking over and now it's even going to be more so, you know, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm concerned mm. about the future, to be honest. I'd like to think I'm being, an, I'd like to think I'm hopeful, but I'm mostly very concerned. There's going to be less personal freedom, which is something I really value more than anything is personal, individual freedom, freedom mm. to express yourself, I, I find is being slightly threatened because people are less tolerant of people with opposing viewpoints or mm. anything that isn't exactly what they want to hear. You know, I have, I don't know, I have a lot of concerns. What about you? Yeah, I started this, I guess, feeling optimistic that people would change and people, as you say, that's, that's why your yeah. writing struck me. It's like the optimism that people would see the small things, but, you know, it, it's overtaken by, as you say, the pessimism of everyone's just gonna, well, just noticing that everyone's coming out of lockdown and seemingly just going fucking crazy. Just, they seem like they've been locked up for three months and now they're being even worse. I was in a car park today and I someone was just shooting around there at 70 miles an hour. I'm like, oh no, this is society now, isn't it? They've all realized they're gonna die soon, these people. So they're just going mental. And all my optimism is totally misplaced. Society yeah, is now- it is. Although there are moments, I have to say, there, to counteract my first point, Hmm. I'm overly I'm skeptical about the world at large, but individually, like my exchanges with people at stores and stuff have been pretty respectful and like really genuine, actually. Like yeah, yeah. people seem more genuine and real, I, th I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, there's moments of that, isn't there? Moments of hope where you see someone, you think this is what society is going to be like. And then somebody goes around the car park at 70 miles an hour. But um, there have been some beautiful things. I don't know whether... Something we do and something you put on your Twitter, I think, yesterday really sparked my interest. Your Twitter's brilliant. I love, I love this, oh, discovering your Twitter. And um, um, so we, we applaud the NHS. I mean, you don't have the NHS over there, so you probably haven't been doing that. But we have put, yeah. we've been applauding the NHS uh, every Thursday at eight o'clock. And that inspired quite a few thoughts about my new show. Uh, so my new show is about kind of putting love out there to no one. And seeing what happens and you put something on your twitter yesterday about morality which was which was great um down a similar vein i think you know talking about um morality being an internal system that you uh with no expectation of any reward you know you do good things without right. any expectation of rewards and uh right. You said something like, uh, just, just the ability to wake up and look into your own eyes in the mirror and be happy. And I love that. I love that as a message. You know, there's too much about, as we were saying at the top, virtue signaling, like I went for a socially distanced picnic today. Just, just do good things for your own. Yeah, just, and, and also when you're met in life with a conflict, you know, do I do this or do I do that? Mm. There's nobody outside of you who's going to tell you what to do. Like eventually as an adult, you know, you have to decide for yourself, is this right? 
or is this wrong? Is it right to message 15 year old women online or is it wrong? Like you should have something guiding you inside that, that doesn't just fall for your whim or your, your animal instinct in the moment, right? Mm. It should guide you into a, the right direction, hopefully. Mm. Yeah. And what I love about this and you're putting it out on Twitter is the comments come and they're just interesting, sensible comments. Like I followed that chain and somebody had put like a link to a psychological paper about, yes. have you read it, but the triad of dark thoughts that people have. Right. It's a psychological right. paper. And I was like, this is beautiful. You know, talking about, what was it, narcissism, um, Machiavellianism and psychopathy. And I was thinking, yeah. I love that you read it. That's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, it's great, great. Well, that's my interest. And it's like, particularly yeah. around, uh, do, you know, like uh, a comedian psychology. I mean, I've, I've talked on this, uh, you know, a few times about a comedian psychology sometimes shares traits with, um, you know, higher up on the psychopathic scale, you know, right. and, you know, you know, some of the traits of psychopathy. So I think we're learning that. I think we're learning that, you know, as like all these men are sort of, you know, mm. and, and I, I'm conflicted with cancel culture because in some ways I think, yeah, it's important for people to speak their truth. I also think it's it's scary if somebody's ever falsely accused of something that they mm. can just be canceled by a tweet, right? But at the same time, there's clearly something seriously wrong with some of the men, you know, I mean, I'm sure some of the women are disturbed in our own right, but some of the men in comedy are severely disturbed, you know, and are getting away with very bad behavior. Yeah. Well, they, they, have, they don't seem to have a moral compass. They don't seem to have any ethics. Yeah. The, the video of Joe Rogan has surfaced here on all social media and media today. I don't know whether it's the, you know, whether it's come up again out in the States. You know, the clip of Joe Rogan with Joey Diaz? Is that, have you seen right, that you know, I actually, A bunch of people sent it to me and I haven't watched it yet, but I yeah. got the gist from what they were saying. I, th you know, I, th I do think he was joking about that, by the way. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's come out on Twitter and, yeah, you know, defended it. And a lot of people are piling in saying uh, what a nice guy is. But, you know, the things you've said on Twitter and what you've just said here, you know, it's, has the culture been pretty awful towards you? You know, has men's behavior towards you been pretty bad over the years? Um, you know, I've had experience with a bunch of guys that after I met them got me too, like pretty severely, <laughs> like several of them. And never have I felt, um, never have I felt a need to come out and say anything because I've never been in a situation where I, I didn't feel I gave consent for anything. You know what I mean? Like I've always felt like an adult participating in something with consent, but mm. to not to say I haven't witnessed it would be a lie. I've definitely witnessed multiple men with power, you know, not abusing their power as much as just leveraging it to gain interest in women and, and where they know that their career makes them attractive or, you know, makes them able to sort of get away with certain behaviors. And I've thought, I've put a lot of thought into it because I'm torn. I think, um, I think there's a sickness with, with, that goes along with talent sometimes, you know, so this is a predicament we have to deal with. Like, how can you foster talent in people, you know, well, well, they're mentally ill. What, you know, they're clearly ill. And, and that's, that's a whole other aspect that's being overlooked. Like, these men, it's, this isn't just like they're horrible, disgusting pigs, which some of them are, 
they're ill. Like there, there's something wrong with a man who needs to message a 15, date a 15 year old or any of that is like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Um, as far as someone like um, Joey Diaz joking, making a joke, I think there's more, there's more room for context with a joke, you know, because mm. you should be able to say what you want. You should be able to push the limits of edge with, with jokes. It's when it becomes an action, when it, when it defends an action, that's a problem, I think. But, yeah. I'm, but I would defend freedom of speech for sure. Like to, to, to joke about things is not the same thing as doing it. It's the doing it that bothers me, you know, the actual participating bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, it's, it's interesting what you're saying about, you know, a lot of people are ill and, yes, but, it makes, but, it, but they're also very talented and it's. They are talented. And, you know, if we look back in history and I'm not saying I'm, it doesn't justify it, but if you look back in history, there are a lot of very sick, talented people, very yeah. sick. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was saying. There's been there's been a few studies about how comedians, you know, do share a, a psychology with a with a, a psychopath. So it's uh, do, uh, did you study philosophy or are you, are you, do you have an interest in your own psychology and how that's maybe formed you as a comedian? Because what I love about you is like your, you know, you want to be a, a stand up. You know, all the other things you've done, radio and film and whatever. It's like there is, you are a stand-up. It's like, I am a stand-up. This is how my mind works. Have you ever thought about how your mind is wired that makes you, I've heard you say interesting things about um, like a stand-up has to be, for example, able to fail over and over again for years yes. and years. And that, that, that's a particular part in the mind. Have you ever thought about what makes you a kind of pure stand-up or what makes you love it so much? Well, that's interesting because I actually do think there's a huge component of psychology and philosophy in the way my mind works, like what, what interests me. Like I, I love studying people. Like when I was in high school, I used to, my friend used to make fun of me because I would always do these social experiments. Like I would call them social experiments and I would just sort of like find ways to mess with people or study people. So people fascinate me, you know, just oh, the way. What kind of, what kind of experiments? Oh gosh, I wish I could remember. Well, <laughs> there is one we did that was, I honestly, to this day, I still feel like the meanest person ever. <laughs> and I don't think it was my idea. I think someone else came up with the idea, but there was a girl that everyone made fun of. Like she was a nerdy girl. And I still feel like it's painful to say it out loud because I still feel like a horrible person. But like we told oh. her that we were all going to dress up in prom dresses the next day. Like we were all going to dress up really like nice. And then she did, and nobody did. Like she came in this like sparkling gown. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a psychopath too. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard of that psychological experiment. That's that's yeah, a new, that was, that's a that new one. Basically, <laughs> just being mean. Erica Rhodes. So have you, do you know what she did in her past? I don't care that she was six. But you know, that's a good example of you do something as a kid, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. you you feel the repercussions of that action so harshly, you never forget it and you would never do something like that again. You know, like yeah. you learn from experimenting. So you do something, but as an adult, you should know better. Yeah. I was I was a horrible kid at seven, eight. I was uh yeah, I was um horrible to my sister. 
Oh no. I think, yes, we were aggravating her. I think at one point we pretended to lock her in a shed and pretended to set the shed on fire. Things you do at six, I don't think count. It doesn't sound like pretend. It sounds like that's what you did. Yeah, but it's, you know, these things scar you. She's never forgiven me for the shed incident, but that's that's my own. Yeah, that's traumatic. I need my own therapist for that. Um, But yeah, we mentioned your cello and uh, in the the background and, uh, you know, you come from a very musical family and you're playing the cello all the time. I love the cello. I'm not going to ask you to play it. Apparently that case is very difficult to open, but... um, As you know, I'm learning the, the learning the piano, and it's it's good for mental health, is it not? Particularly in lockdown, do you do you play it a lot? Do you, do you compose on the cello? And I wish I could say I have, but you know, I took it all the way with me to Florida, and I was mm. like, I'm so glad I brought it all the way to Florida so that I could also feel guilty not playing it here. <laughs> so I just have to, <laughs> I have not been playing it. I but I should, I should be. Yeah, I do heard- think it's good for your brain because it it kind of you kind of it. You, you know, you sort of, it transfers you some to a different place. Yeah, yeah. Do you not feel that in moments of, you know, if you're suffering from, again, I've heard you talk about, you know, suffering from depression sometimes, do, do you never feel like music takes you out of that and playing playing the cello takes you out of that or, or not? It certainly does for me. If, I, if I'm feeling depressed, I get straight on the piano and it just totally, totally transports me for that hour or yeah, I think it does help, but I haven't really used it lately. So, mm. yeah, but yeah. I, yeah, I think it's it's helpful. Yeah, yeah, I've heard you talk about like a really beautiful parallels between music and comedy, which is you know when I was learning, a few comedians would say, "Oh yeah, you got to learn music; it will make your comedy nicer." Or timing and a lot of uh, a lot of comics you find used to be musicians. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, really, I really liked what you were saying about the parallels between you just play a musical instrument for years and and it's just not going anywhere and you just think I'm rubbish at this and then it's the same with comedy and then suddenly it's like I can do this kind of just for the moment just for three minutes and then um great do you because you've been doing comedy for like seven years now and you kind of are there moments where you think I've got this you know I know they're transient but are there moments like I listened to your brilliant special um sad lemon and are there moments like that where you think hey I've nailed that that was pretty good yeah, I think there are moments like that, but like even now, if I listen to that, you know, people loved it and I'm I'm glad it came, I'm glad that people really liked it, but I still feel in a different place in my comedy now than mm. when I, when, than when I taped it. So it's painful for me to listen to, oh, you really? know? Yeah. What, what, what different directions have you taken since then then? What, what can we expect think- in Minnesota next week that's different to that? I think I'm a little more natural now, you know, like I think that my pacing is a little bit faster and a little bit more fluid. Like I kind of notice on my album that I, I pause a lot and I don't think that's bad, but I think I'm a little bit more fluid now. Right. And how about some of the subjects, matter? you know, kind of, you know, some of the stuff you talk about is not controversial, but you're talking about me too, or you're talking about casual racism or disability. Are you, are you going in hard with any of that stuff uh, related to anything that's been happening yeah. recently? Or Well, it's interesting because the world has changed so much and mm-hmm. uh, trying, to, trying to come up with an hour that is about half new and half old. And so, but I'm, I'm feeling like a lot of the things I touched on, I, ha- I can evolve into something that's relevant. So I, I'm sort of evolving a few pieces, like especially like that Me Too piece. Mm. I think I have about 
10 more minutes on that. So it's like I'd sort of dip my toe in in it in the album. Yeah. And now I think I have like a much longer story about it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, that will be fun to see if it works. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I'm sure it will. You've got a beautiful way of talking about these things without making anyone feel uncomfortable, I think. It's uh, oh, just thing. That, fine... that makes me feel good. Yeah, it's a really fine line, isn't it? It is, but it's kind of, it is, it is, it is nothing. It, I think... I think you've said before, yeah, if you're coming from a good place, it's uh, the line becomes thicker, doesn't it? It's like, I'm clearly coming yeah. from a good place. So I can say, I love the bit on your album about like the hook hands thing. And just like, it's so, uh, so funny. And just, I love your line that says something like, don't worry about laughing. You're laughing, not at someone that's got hook hands. You're laughing because you didn't expect me to say the word hook hands. Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was nice, yeah, yeah. And it just funny makes it that, really... It's funny that I'm forgetting my own jokes. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a good, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a good joke. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I want you to play the cello. That's all that's on my mind right now. I want you to, I, want you, I don't care about anything else. <laughs> how long does it take you to, uh, you know, I want to finish on the cello or something. I, um, how, long, how long does it take you to open that case? Like 15 minutes. <laughs> you liar. Then I'd have to tune. I'd have to tune <laughs> it. I have to, you know, the bridge is coming off the part of the cello, and so. Mm, okay. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't do more if you're feeling down or, you know, it's yeah. uh, it is so it is so good for um. Well, I find it good. Right. I feel like I should do it like soon. Not right now, but I will. <laughs> There's no pressure. There's I no will. Pressure, but this podcast has been a disaster if you don't play the cello. Did my mom hire you to just ask <laughs> the cello? That's... Oh, yeah, because your mom's a violinist, isn't she? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she is. So maybe, yeah, maybe if my dad was a comedian, I'd be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing anything funny today. Too much <laughs> pressure. He's been in lockdown. So, um, but I did, I did travel to see him the other day and I socially distanced from him. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> just to not kill him. I thought uh, that would be... I'd feel guilty if I killed him. Yeah. Well, if, if, if cello doesn't make you feel better, do, do you, you go to therapy and therapy played a, a big part in your life, has it? Um, I do. I go to therapy. Does that make you feel better? It does. It yeah. does. He told me, uh, yeah, I went to him for the first time in person the other, I think yesterday, actually. No, yeah, yesterday. Wow, yeah. yesterday feels like a month ago now. <laughs> <laughs> um. I went in and he told me, he looked, I was like going on and on about like, I was just like basically running bits by him, mm. you know? And he, and then he just looked really like upset. And I was like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I just, it's like, I thought, you know, I really thought we had made progress a couple sessions ago. And then now I just, I don't know. I feel like I can't quite reach you. And, and I was like, whoa, what? And I was like, am I doing something wrong? And he's like, no, it's just, it feels like you're just kind of like, you know, running bits by me. And I was like, yeah, I guess I am. I haven't been on stage in three months. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, well, do you feel like when most people come in, like <laughs> solve their problems or they leave, like you like did something? And he's like, actually, yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah, I feel like they like leave, like, yeah, okay. They say a problem and I say, why don't you do this? And then they leave. And I was like, wow. Then and then he said, and then I was flattered because he's like, yes, yeah, smart people are actually harder to are harder to do therapy with. 
they're it's yeah. harder to get into their brain you know yeah. and they sort of already think they've got things figured out i think or something yeah 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 i'm not bragging that i'm not saying i'm smart but i'm saying that he was like basically like it's more complicated for, for whatever reason yeah yeah and also sometimes you're smart enough to keep little things back it's like oh i'll keep that back i don't need to tell them that yes no. that that yeah. key thing that is going to help you it's like the nah. filtering system or yeah. something off yeah so but they I don't, failed therapy yeah. i don't even know why but i <laughs> somehow failed they don't know what they're doing either right they, they, they don't they don't they're like the doctors they, they ask do. you to close your eyes because they're googling they're like all oh, depression <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> right. Well, as I'm not going to get you to play the cello, how can we end this? I was yeah looking at another piece of your writing the other uh, oh. day. I think today or yesterday, um, ostensibly about coffee. Yeah. This piece of writing, rather beautiful. And oh. um, the way you ended that piece was beautiful. It was um, talking about what you're waiting for. And it's, yes. and it's lovely. And I'm sure... I'm sure anything that you're waiting for is just around the corner. Do you do you feel that do you feel that more good things are, you know, you've already had such a successful career. Do you feel like more good things, great things are around the corner for for you? I'd like to think so. Yeah, I feel I feel hopeful about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I think I've had to do a lot of work on myself, you know, a lot of internal work um to attract good things. You know, like you know, for, for yeah. men, it's like I've attracted unhealthy relationships and you can blame the men or you can say, well, that's what I'm attracting, mm. you know? And so I think I'm trying to sort of change my own level or my own way of being and sort of come to more acceptance of myself because I'm really, you know, I've really had a trouble just, you can, you can get as much adoration from the outside world or whatever, but if you don't feel it, it means nothing, you know? So mm. I think I'm working on giving, validating myself more, which yeah, has yeah. been sort of a big, that's been my quarantine homework. <laughs> <laughs> so have you made, have you made good strides on that in terms of validating yourself during lockdown? That's, that's a great thing to have done during lockdown. Other people have, I don't know, <laughs> written a book, but validating yourself, that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing to have achieved during lockdown if that's, <laughs> Because everything you're putting out on Twitter just sounds so lovely and perfect. It sounds like you're really sorted in terms of yourself and your, oh, you know. Oh, I'm glad it seems that way. I'm yeah. pretty tortured on, on the inside. But if I can bring hope to other people, that, that makes me feel good. But do you feel that's improved over the months? You know, you say you've, you, you've done lots of work on that. You, you feel like you've made some real good strides there? I think I'm getting there. Yeah. I mean, mm. it definitely doesn't feel like uphill all the time. It feels kind of like up and then drop and then up and then drop, you know? Mm. Um, but, but I think I've made progress. Yeah. What about you? Have you, what do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, as I say, some of the things you you've written have really hit, hit home, particularly the thing we mentioned about, you know, morality and putting, you know, feeling good about yourself just, just for its own, ends and as i say my new show is about kind of putting love out there with no expectation of anything in return and wonderful things can happen and i feel yeah. like I, f I feel the same for reading and seeing your stuff you know just like it seems like you're putting really positive wonderful messages out there and as i say the way they're being responded to is really interesting and you know funny responses whereas you know a lot of things comedians will put out they'll just have 
you know, not those kind of responses. You're really having an effect on people. And I think the, the, more, the more people put out stuff like that and putting out love into the world to no one in particular, you know, on Twitter, which is to no one in particular, isn't it? Or, or anywhere or, or clapping the NHS or whatever it is, doing things with no expectation of it, it returning one day, all those good things will come raining down on you. I think. Yeah, that's a really, that's, you know, it's really nice to have a conversation where you feel like, oh, the things I'm doing have a positive impact when sometimes you're not even aware of it. You know, like even that tweet I wrote, about, you know, that you just quoted about looking in your eyes in the mirror after I wrote, like, this mm. is how much self-loathing I have, which is after I wrote it, which it completely had only positive intentions. I'm thinking, oh, what a corny, pathetic tweet. <laughs> like, what, what was I thinking? That was so pathetic. <laughs> 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 but, then, but then people, but then you saying like, no, it actually was like a really positive message. I'm like, okay, you're right. Like it had good intentions. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. I think that's every comedian putting a tweet out there and just like, oh God, it's out there. Was that awful? Is that funny? Is that... Oh, what, what, what a disgusting self-indulgent. You know? <laughs> but it really isn't. It's just like, yeah, from, from, you know, I read a lot of Twitter and whatever, doing stuff like this and talking to comedians around the world. And I, I'm loving the stuff you're putting out there. And Aww, not only your Twitter, of course, you're special and everything else you're, you're yeah. doing. Oh, um, thanks so much. So, yes, I'll be, um, I'll be reading it every day to make myself feel better. So the pressure's on now. Oh, but what, no. I, what I want is cello more than anything. I want oh some. Oh my gosh, everybody wants it so bad. I will, I'll put out a video at some point. How to pretend you can play amazing when you really can't play that well at all. Oh, I'm sure that's your parents making you feel that way who are musicians. It's like, I'm sure you're amazing and just like. Uh, um, anyway, thank you so much for joining me, Erica. Yeah, so nice you're... to meet you. Oh, nice to see you. You're as wonderful as I thought you were going to be. I hope next... you'll be in the States at some point. Yeah, I haven't been for years because I've got, I've got kids that are kind of like nine. I used to come all the time. I used to spend loads of time out in New York, and but I've not really done comedy. I've been to the LA Comedy Store and stuff. And yes. Are you starting up again where you are or no? No. Um, soon, hopefully. I'm hoping to do this show like next month, but somewhere outside with everyone socially distancing. Um, right. But uh, yeah, not... I'm... When, you, when I saw you were going to do a gig next week, I thought, you lucky, that's lucky. I'm so excited. Um, I think it's going to be the end of the year, really, for, for the UK. I think it's going to be a long time. It's, we're being ultra-cautious here with opening pubs, and it's great that you can get people into a venue and, and do that. It's great. Yeah. I want to fly out there and see it, but well, I'd have to quarantine watch, for 14 days. You can watch on Zoom, by the way. Oh, nice. I will. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Oh, you will? Oh, my gosh. Of course I will. No. But I need cello during the gig. I need cello. It's <laughs> in your rider, your rider as audience. Yeah. Just say this at the end of the gig when you've stormed it. Just go, and this one's for Nathan Cassidy. And just, eh, 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 eh. Yeah, I'll be enjoying it. it. You'll regret it. No, you'll I'll be, be enjoying it. It might, it might ruin your career, but know that I'm enjoying it. It's worth it then. Right. Any other messages for the world before we before we close? Anything else you want to say? Um, I think it's I think it's just good to have conversations. Like you know, I think people should force themselves to to do to do what you're doing and and reach out to people individually and have 
difficult or challenging discussions about things so that you're mm. not just in your little corner in your little bubble online because i think we need we still need human connection you yeah, know yeah. So connect still absolutely i've loved doing these this has rescued me really during lockdown you know touching base and right. just learning different things from that's why i go into kind of people's you know go off on tangents on people's twitter or whatever or online because you learn so much just from other people it's true yeah thank you erica lovely lots of love to you and um stay well and get that cello out at some point i will just for you <laughs> the absolutely incredible erica rhodes there check out her twitter at erica rhodes EricaRhodesComedy.com and yes, she's playing the Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis this weekend. So as she said there, I'm sure all the Zoom details will be on her Twitter for that. Amazing. So, and as I said at the top, you can get the full uncut version of that conversation with Erica on Patreon. So all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy, and just for £5 a month, you can get access to this episode, Uncut, on video, which is amazing, and uh, you can get uncut versions of other podcasts, exclusive audio, video content, interviews with me, loads of other stuff at patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. So that was our show for today. Join us again on Thursday for more Psychomedy. We're doing Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday until next Saturday. So only five more of these spin-off shows and then we've got some specials weekly on Fridays during July before we go back. The relaunch of Psychomedy Proper on Friday, August the 7th. Please listen back on all the daily shows, all the main shows. Please give us a five-star review. Please spread the word. Psychomedy is produced by Mike Hansen at Pop People Productions. Check out psychomedy.co.uk. There are mental health tips from our counselling partners, ThreadUp, who are offering free check-ins at this time. I'm Nathan Cassidy. Lots of love to you all. Stay healthy, stay optimistic. Tune back in for more Psychomedy on Thursday. Pod people.